Ah, yes, you're listening to Life 101, where we live in faith every day. This is Line Upon Line, where we study God's Word line by line. And I'm your host, Pastor Adrian. Verses 9 and 10 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And then he answers, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So if you're serious about your walk with God and you want to understand true doctrine, it's time to get your Bible and follow along as we study God's Word. It's time to be weaned from the milk. Get your Bible, tell a friend, tell your pastor about this study, and let's get into God's Word line upon line. Revelation chapter 18, and we're dealing with the fall of Babylon. Now, Jesus Christ gave us this revelation so that we would understand the things which must shortly come to pass. And I think this chapter is really critical. It's almost the climax of the story、uh, because Babylon will be so established and so powerful in the earth in the near future that. It will look like nothing could ever uproot this powerful beast power. And yet, Christ gives us this revelation so that we can understand that the reign of Babylon in the end time is just for a brief period. And we will then have the courage to withstand Babylon, to preach the testimony of Jesus Christ, and to remain faithful and true. So, we're going to get into the, the final. Uh, the collapse, the final chapter of the reign of Babylon and how Christ brings down this empire in order to establish the kingdom of God. We'll open with a word of prayer and we'll get straight into chapter 18. Our Heavenly Father, we just praise you, God. We thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for the revelation, the apocalypsis that you gave to him. And that he sent and signified、uh, by an angel to deliver to John so that John could deliver it to us. We thank you so much for it, Father. We thank you for these studies. And we pray, Lord God, that you will help us to inwardly digest what we are coming to understand as we study your word. And that 
as we digest your word, Father, it would deepen our conviction. It would uh, deepen our appreciation of Jesus Christ. He is just so beautiful. And we just thank you so much for him, God. And we are honored that we can be called by his name. We praise you, Father, and we ask you, for you to uh, bless our study this evening. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, before I get started, I just want to uh, make a point or make mention, an announcement, that next week we're going to have an unusual time for Bible study. It's going to be at 11 a.m. Central Time, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And that's because I'm going to be overseas and I don't want to uh, break our momentum. So I'll go ahead and I'll do the study uh, at 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern. And then if you're unable to make that time, you can still tune in at the regular time of 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern, but just watch the recording. But if you can join us live and we can have the live chat afterwards, uh, 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern is the time for our study. Same day, Wednesday, but I guess uh, it won't be Wednesday night uh, Bible study for those of us in North America. It'll be uh, Wednesday afternoon Bible study. So apologize for that, but I'd rather do that than uh, skip a week and, and break the momentum, especially as we are just uh, coming to the conclusion of uh, the book of Revelation. We want to just keep the story flow uh, going. So speaking of the story flow, let's get straight into the, the text. And uh, just from last week, we were looking at uh, the, the Babylon is fallen. We looked at the fall of, of Babylon. And, but, but specifically last week, the judgment of God was upon the harlot. And uh, that was part of the judgment on Babylon. That was sort of part one. Uh, chapter 18 is part two. But I just want to uh, just go back to part one, just to refresh our memory on a few things. Uh, in verse one of chapter 17, it says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven bowls. So these are the, these are the angels that are calling down the final plagues and judgment upon uh, the evil, the wicked beast, uh, beast powers. And one of them uh, came to John and talked with him saying, Come here, and I will show you the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. And what we saw here as we went to chapter 17 was a rewind, that we, we saw the all seven bowls, all, all of the plagues poured out on the rebellious mankind, the unrepentant mankind, the beast power, and, and those who follow him. And then we're doing a rewind now. And we're going back in time to see in more detail uh, John is not to miss, and by extension, uh, because John was given this revelation so that we could have it, we are not to miss the judgment upon the whore. And so now he's going back to make sure that John gets the details. And in verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in scarlet. She was arrayed in scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls and having a golden cup in her hand. So she's very, very wealthy and very, very powerful. She's, she's sitting very pretty in her own eyes and she has a golden cup in her hand. And what's that golden cup full of? It's full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication, her, her porneia, her sexual immorality with the, the nations. And verse five, and notice this, and upon her forehead was a name written. What was that name that was written on her forehead? 
mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So we understand now that this, this whore, this end-time whore, this uh, end-time harlot, actually is an ancient harlot. And she's owned, she, she, the, what's stamped on her forehead is mystery. So we're now going back to the ancient mystery religion, all the way back to Nimrod and Semiramis. And so this is the whore that sits upon many nations and sits upon uh, seven mountains and, or the beast with seven heads. She's going all the way back to ancient Babylon. And notice this, she's the mother of harlots. So she's not the only harlot. There are many harlots. And she's the mother of them all and the abominations of the earth. So her mystery religion has spread throughout the earth, but it's not just her alone spreading it. She has daughters who are also harlots. And that uh, ties in very tightly to Revelation 14 when we were looking at the 144,000, that is, these uh, saints that have resisted the abominations of, of this whore to the, to the point of death. They love not their life unto the death. And so they are now counted among these 144,000 faithful servants of God. And it said that these are they which were not defiled with women. So we, we said at the time that our understanding is that the, the women are basically false religion. And so we can see the women are these harlots, these, these daughters of this whore. So it's the whore and her daughters. So that's where we see the plural here, that it's not just the woman, the harlot, it's women, her, her and her daughters, and they're virgins. We, we do not, these 144,000 do not mix with the abominations, even though the rest of the world, the rest of mankind, are willing to do that. In verse 6 of chapter 17, last week we studied, and I saw this woman, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. So she is just drunk with it. She's out of control. Out of control. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, and who Jesus exalts very highly, but she has no regard for, for them. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. John was just in awe, like, wow. This woman is so incredibly powerful and just does whatever she wants. And John was just in awe. In verse 12, dropping down where we saw the ten horns, and the angel was explaining, de decoding these symbols for John. In verse 12, And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet. So at the time of John writing, these kings were not in power. But he's telling us, that they will receive power as kings one hour with the beast. So the beast has seven heads and ten horns. And it's this seventh head, this final head, that will have the ten horns. It's the, in the end time, these ten horns, these ten kings will appear with this final head, this seventh head of the beast. Notice this in verse 13. These have one mind. They have one mind. And they shall give their power and strength unto the beast. So it's very clear to us that there's an ideology that they all agree with. There, there, there are separate nations. So it's not one nation. Ten separate nations. But they share an ideology so that they have one mind. They think the same way. They have the same objectives. They have one mind. 
and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. And verse 16, the ten horns which you saw upon the beast, notice this, so they all have one mind, but it's very important for us to see in this verse, their mind is not the same mind as the whore. So whatever ideology she has, they don't share it, because it says here they hate her. The, the ten horns which you saw upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. They're both serving the devil. They're both the devil's children. But the devil is full of hate, and they hate each other. So the devil gives them reason to hate each other. These shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So, so here she is sitting pretty, sitting powerful, thinking that nothing will ever happen to her. She will be in this position of power forever, but she's betrayed. She's betrayed. Her bedfellows are not loyal to her. And when they have the opportunity, they turn on her and they make her desolate and naked. They, that means she's stripped of all of her power and they shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So remember there, um, there are two, well, I guess we could say there are three beasts. There's the dragon, that's Satan. He has seven heads and ten horns. Then there's the beast of the sea, which has seven heads and ten horns. Then there's this other beast that looks like a lamb. It has two horns, uh, but it speaks like a dragon. So it looks peaceful, but it's full of violence and, and, and evil. And so these are the, the three beasts, or we could say the two, Satan and, and then the, Satan's two puppets. Um, and the ten horns are part of the sea of the beast. Uh, sorry, sorry the, the beast of the sea. Uh, and then there's this other beast, which is now represented as the whore, representing the false prophet and false religion. Very powerful, very influential, very wealthy. But they, the, the, the ten horns have one ideology, and the whore has another. And the ten horns turn on the whore. Now, with that backdrop, we come into chapter 18. Now, the whore has been destroyed. She's been burned with fire, her flesh has been eaten, and, her, and God's judgment has come down upon her. But chapter 18 continues with judgment. And what we realize here is the ten kings, the beast, from the sea, it's also part of this Babylonian system. And, and the judgment of God has to come down of, on, on the entire system, not just the whore. So the whore has been dealt with, that was last week, chapter 17. Now let's continue in chapter 18. And in chapter 18 we read, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven. So the first angel comes down and says, let me show you the, the judgment on the whore. So then we see the judgment on the whore. Now another angel comes down after these things, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And one of the questions we had in the uh, chat um, afterward last week, in cgi.org forward slash webcast, if you want to join us for the chat tonight, uh, one of the brethren asked, why is it fallen twice? And well, maybe, you know, one of the answers is, you know, to really reinforce the fact that, you know, guaranteed it's fallen. Certainly an answer is to echo 
the prophecy from Isaiah, who says exactly that, that Babylon is fallen, is fallen. But maybe another answer is, there are two beasts to deal with here. There's the beast from the sea and the beast from the land. There's the, there's the seven-head beast with the, the ten final horns, and then there's the lamb that speaks like a dragon. Well, the lamb that speaks like a dragon, that was dealt with in chapter 17, but we still have this other beast to be dealt with. So maybe that's another reason why it's Babylon is fallen, is fallen, because both beasts have to fall. And has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean bird. So so the demons, this, this is, you know, there's this sort of... Uh, uh, how should I call it? like a congregation of demons now uh, they're, they're all congregating maybe trying to do their best to save whatever's left of Babylon but now it's become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean bird so rather and hateful bird rather than them being all over the earth uh, in Job we see Satan was walking up and down in the earth now they're focused in, in Babylon for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So this this drunkenness, you know, the woman is drunk with the blood of the saints, um, and then this drunkenness is not limited to her. This drunkenness of which is causing God's wrath to come down upon her, she's sharing this drunkenness with all nations, and so all nations have drunk, and and, and all nations means all nations, all nations means all nations. That, that they're, they're all corrupted by these uh, various uh, religious ideologies that regardless of what they're called and that they could even have they can even claim the name of Christ all of these religions come from every unclean and hateful bird they're all governed by demons they're all part of the demonic system and 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 these ideologies have crept into all nations and caused them to see not perceive correctly, not see the way God sees, but rather see the way the devil wants them to see. So all nations, all of them, have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So uh, that says to me that they've all participated in the persecution of God's people. And that's what's bringing the wrath of her pornea upon them. She hates the saints of God. She commits sexual immorality with all of these nations and, and, and enrolls them in her hatred of the saints. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. So all of them are involved. All the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants, not, so notice this, it's not just the kings. It's not just about power. It's about wealth. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So, so these nations enjoy, uh, even if they don't believe fully in the ideology, they don't care. They love the wealth, and they're happy to trade and participate and be numbered among uh, the members of her community in order to tap into the wealth that's generated from all of this. And, you know, that's the, what this shows us as well, is that religion... As much as people love to talk about God and, and sound religious and, and, and help, want us to believe that they truly believe in, 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 in these various religions, what this is showing us is that in reality, they don't care about God. 
They care about money. And religion is a business. And they're, they're, they run this business well. I was watching a Christian pastor uh, being uh, cross-examined about his abuse, of, or I should say abuses, of all of the money that he's been generating from poor people, off the backs of poor people, giving him you know, their, last, their last dollar. And the wealth, and this lawyer was just itemizing all of his spending. The religion is a business. And so the merchants of the earth are participating in this religion uh, so that they can wax rich. Now, when it says that these ten kings were of one mind, we've seen this before. Let's, and so this Babylon, she, she had mystery religion stamped in her forehead. It's going all the way back to Genesis. From Genesis to Revelation, it's the same story. So let's go back to Genesis and see this, this, where this, we saw this one mind before, where it says these all have one mind. It says the whole earth was of one speech. Sorry, the whole earth was of one language, so they all spoke the same language and of one speech. So they all spoke the same, or the, the, so what they spoke about, the ideology, the philosophy, the religion, the orientation, that was all the same. And they all understood each other because they all shared the same language. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain. Where did they find this plain? In the land of Shinar. That's in Iraq, what we call Iraq today. So this was the spot they found in Shinar. And they dwelt there. They established themselves there in Shinar. And they said, go to or come let us build us a city and a tower. Notice there's always two dimensions to the Babylonian system. There's the city, which is sort of the political side and the commercial side, and there's the tower, which is the religious side. And so now we come all the way to Revelation, to the this is the beginning of the story. We come now to the end of the story, and it's the same thing. There are two beasts. There's the beast from the sea, and there's the beast from the land. There's the political beast and the commercial beast, and there's the religious beast. So Babylon understands from the very beginning this mystery religion has two dimensions to make it really function. It's got the religious dimension, but it's also got the political and the commercial dimension. So in chapter 17, we see the bringing down of the religious dimension, and now we're in chapter 18 where we see the bringing down of the commercial and the political dimension. Let us build us a city Whose uh, and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. The Satan says, I will be like the Most High. Really, I will be the Most High. And so this is the motivation from this demonic influence that these men have. And let us make us a name. They think it's for themselves. They're actually making Satan a name. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Same motivation in Revelation. Now, look at this. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men built. And so God then responded and interrupted this so that they couldn't fulfill the agenda of the devil. Uh, God had his agenda, and in order to make sure that God's plan unfolds, because nobody can thwart God's plan, he had to stop them. But now we fast forward to Revelation, and this final uh, three and a half year period and God is allowing 
God is allowing now Satan to have his way with mankind. And so now this Nimrodian agenda is in full swing. And it's unstoppable until Jesus Christ returns. And he said he has to cut these days short because if he didn't, no flesh would be alive. No, no uh, covenant flesh. No, none of God's people would be left. And so he has to step in to save the covenant people because that's the agenda, to make a name for the devil and stamp out God's people completely. But God stopped it here. But the final three and a half year period, Satan gets to run full out um, until Christ intervenes to stop to stop it. Now, if we go to Isaiah 2, uh, we see here uh, that this pride of mankind, God, God is going to deal with it. Isaiah writes, Enter into the rock and hide you in the dust. These are, this is really what chapter 18 is all about. And we actually had a preview of this in chapter 6 when the, when the evil men are saying, uh, to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Well, the wrath of the Lamb is coming upon them now in chapter 18. And Isaiah saw this and he prophesied about it. And, and here the wicked are saying, enter into the rock and hide you in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. So, you know, there's going to be two kinds of people on the earth in the end time. One of them are going to be people with this attitude and this orientation where they are afraid of the Lamb. And there's going to be another set of people who are looking forward. Here he comes. This is our Lord. We've been waiting for him. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, and we'll see that in chapter 19, uh, when we cover chapter 19 next week, that there's a completely different response to the arrival of the Lord from his people than there is from the wicked. Here they want to hide uh, for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled. And this is why chapter 1 of Revelation is so important that God gave this revelation to Jesus Christ so that he could give it to John. It's in symbolic form, but it's given to John so that John could share it with us so that we could know the things that are going to take place. And one of the things we'll understand is when the, these wicked men are so established in the earth and their kingdoms are set up and it looks like, wow, they are nothing can stop them. And they will be around forever and ever and ever. We know they have you know, a short three and a half year window. And then it's over. And so we, we can see through the glitter and the gold. And, and literally it's going to be glitter and gold. But we'll be able to see through all of that and see the end, the end point. That they are, they are, you know, pride comes before a fall. And there's going to be a tremendous amount of pride. And that means there's going to be a tremendous fall. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. It reminds us when we were in Luke uh, chapter 1 and the prophecy that Mary had about uh, what Christ would do. Well, this is it. The, the haughtiness of men will be brought down. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty. So remember this, and this is what we were saying earlier, the insight we had around the the letter to the Philadelphians that they'll be protected from the hour that comes upon those that dwell upon the earth. Well, that hour, the, these plagues, this judgment that God is, is unleashing with, with fierce anger upon the earth, it's selective. It doesn't come upon everyone, just as the plagues of Egypt did not come upon everyone. 
those who had the Passover blood on their doorposts, the plagues, the judgment of God passed over them. And in the same way, those who uh, wash themselves in the blood of the Lamb, the judgment of God will pass over us. But it's going to come down upon the head of the wicked. So the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon, not everyone, but everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Exactly what uh, we saw in, in Luke 1. Now, I want to share with you a prophecy in Zechariah, which is a very, very strange prophecy, but ties in totally to what's going on in chapter 17 and 18, where we see these two beasts. One is religious, and one is commercial and political. And both represent Babylon, as we saw when we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 11. There's two dimensions to Babylon. And so, in chapter 17, the religious system is brought down, but that still leaves the commercial and the political system, and that has to be brought down as well. And this is a very interesting prophecy that we see here in Zechariah 5, beginning in verse 5. The same way that an angel talked with John, an angel here is talking with Zechariah, and it says, Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now your eyes, and see what is this that goes forth. And so the, Zech the prophet Zechariah will do this. And, and prophet, the prophet then says, And I said, What is it? And he said, This is an ephah that goes forth. So an ephah is a, a, a measurement. It's, sort of, it's just a way of measuring grain. And so this grain, this ephah, this, uh, I don't want to, maybe a vase, think of it maybe a vase. It's, it, it, what, what Zechariah sees is this vase going forward. It, it's, it's traveling. He said, moreover, this is their resemblance through all the earth. Hmm. So there's something that's going all over, the, all over the world, and it's now symbolized by this ephah that goes forth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead. And this is a woman that sits in the middle of the ephah. So the ephah was covered, and when they took this lead cover off it, there's a woman sitting in the middle of the ephah. So this is all, this is all kind of apocalyptic literature, it's all symbolic. Um, but there's a woman inside this ephah, and the woman now, the angel says, this is wickedness. The, the woman is a symbol of utter abomination and filth and wickedness. That's who she is. She's the whore. This is the whore. This is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah. So she's thrown down into the midst of the ephah. And he cast the weight of the lead upon the mouth thereof. So in other words, he shut her in. Now she's, she's locked in this ephah. So she's shut down. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, so, so he sees this woman, very, very interesting prophecy. He sees this woman being pushed down, this whore, this wicked woman, being pushed down in the ephah, and then the ephah is covered, and she's locked inside. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, 
And behold, there came out two women. So two women are coming to the ephah. And the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. And what did these two women do that arrived at the ephah? And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. So wickedness is inside it, this, this horror is inside. These two women come with wings, and they lift it up. And in verse 10, Then said I to the angel that talked with me, Where do these bear the ephah? Like, where are they taking it? Notice the answer. And he said unto me, To build it a house in the land of Shinar. So Shinar has been the, the, the place of Satan's agenda. And this is where he moved mankind to challenge God and to build the original Babylonian city and system. And so this woman who's in another location and is wickedness, at her destruction, at her defeat, she's the, the, the spirit of the woman, we could say, is lifted and returned to the original Babylonian city to build it a house in the land of Shinar and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. So remember that the woman, that when, when the woman was um, uh, identified by John or to John, by the angel, that he saw on her forehead mystery, Babylon the Great. So it's the, it's the original, ancient, mysterious, Babylonian religious system. That's who she is. So even though she's you know, the, clearly in the Vatican and she's established in the earth, that she didn't make this up. Her religion did not start with, with the Vatican. It's, it's the ancient religion. She sits upon seven mountains. She goes all the way back and has sit, sat upon all of these uh, wicked uh, nations and empires. And now what happens with her destruction, the Zechariah saw that she was returned to her own base, that she's gone back to the original city of, 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 of uh, Babylon and, and Shinar and, and will be established there and set upon her own base. So, so the, there's a, there was this separation, it looks like in the end time, there's this separation between the headquarters of the religious beast and the headquarters of the commercial and the political beast. But when the religious beast falls, then everything is merged back to the original city uh, of Shinar in, in Babylon. Continuing in chapter 18, uh, chapter 18, verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven. So, so one voice comes, one angel comes down and talk to him about the judgment of the whore that happens another angel comes down and begins this process now of talking about the commercial Babylonian city and now another voice says from heaven come out of her my people come out of her my people the God's people who are caught up in this system now is the time like time is running out I shouldn't say now is the time. Well, now is the time for us, but at this future time, time is running out. And, and there's a plea. You know, when the judgment of God falls upon the wicked, and even the wicked in the church, 
we will be without excuse. We, the, the gospel will have been preached to the whole world. Even an angel will help in the preaching of the gospel to the whole world. The two witnesses will be preaching the gospel to the whole world. There'll be the blood of the martyrs everywhere as, as the, the, the faithful saints are, are holding on to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And no one can say, I, I didn't know. Anybody who accepts the mark of the beast will do so knowingly, will do so defying the warning they were given. The same way that Adam defied the clear commandment that he received from God is the way mankind in the end time is going to defy the clear commandment from God not to eat of the tree of, of good and evil, not to receive the mark of the beast. And so here's this final plea now, come out of her, my people, that you may not be partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues. We should be moving with godly fear. We should be moving with godly fear to, to disentangle ourselves from this wicked Babylonian system. We should be immersing ourselves in the word of God, in the worship of God, in the fellowship with the saints. This is what we should be about. And, and washing ourselves in the blood of Christ and, and with an understanding of the fierce wrath of God that is coming down upon the Babylonian system and the people who yield to this Babylonian system. Now, the reason God is acting with such fierce anger, he says here in verse 5, her sins have reached unto heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. How did her sins reach all the way? She's on earth. And, and, and involved in her sexual immorality on earth, how did her sins reach up to heaven so that God remembers her iniquities? Well, we read it in chapter 6. When he opened the fifth seal, he saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And so they are the ones who the saints have just been appealing and their blood has been appealing to God to judge. And so they, they, as they cry out to God, they share with God her sins. And so it has reached unto God. And notice that, uh, we, we should have covered this before, that he saw this, the souls of the saints under the altar. And what does that mean, under the altar? And we need to go to Leviticus for that says here, the life of flesh is in the blood. So when it says he saw the souls of them, well, that's because the life is in the blood and they've been slaughtered. The life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you uh, upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. So these animals were being sacrificed on the altar for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. So this is where um, the, 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 the priests would be slaughtering these animals at the altar. And, and there's so much blood and it's dripping under the altar. And so this is really symbolic that these are innocent animals who are being slain because of the sins of, of man. And so the, the saints are being slain upon the altar. They are, the, the saints are innocent but their blood is being slain before the altar as a sacrifice to God, and therefore all the blood is being drained and, and soaking the earth under the altar. 
and again in verse 14 that if it is the life of all flesh the blood of it is for the life thereof and so that's why the children of Israel were not to eat blood because the life of all flesh is in the blood and so as this blood is dripping and, and soaking the earth it's draining under the altar and so that's why the blood which is the souls uh, that's the life is in the blood it's crying out to God and, and this is uh, this is really an echo back to Genesis when um, uh, Abel's blood cried unto God from the ground and so Abel was the very first martyr for God and his blood went into the ground and from the ground it cried to God and now in this in, in Revelation from Genesis to Revelation all these saints that have been slaughtered their blood has been crying to God from the ground and that's how her sins have reached unto heaven but it's just there's just so much slaughter in the end time that it's just enough and so here we see um, how the priest is to handle the blood and uh, he's to pour the blood at the bottom of the altar and so the blood goes into the ground at the bottom of the altar and, and there's more we see you can go through Leviticus 20 Leviticus 4 and see that so her sins reached unto heaven that's how the blood drains under the altar and then the, the blood cries out to God and so the Saints are saying now reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her double according to her works in the cup which she has filled to her double so she was sitting there with this uh, golden cup and uh, the Saints are now saying that God please tur turn back everything that she has done turn it back onto her and do it double how much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously so much torment and sorrow give her so much torment and sorrow give her for she says in her heart I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow so she is just so incredibly powerful she has become unstoppable and uh, she says she'll see no death uh, and she will sit as a queen and not a widow <clears throat> and, and yet she, she will be a widow because everything will be lost to her Isaiah said prophesied exactly this and you said I shall be a lady forever so that you did not lay these things to your heart neither did remember the latter end of it therefore hear now this you that are given to pleasures and dwell carelessly that says in your heart I am which is an abomination in itself blasphemy and none else beside me I shall not sit as a widow so revelation is hearkening back to this Isaiahic prophecy neither shall I know the loss of children and again she has she's the mother of harlots but these two things shall come to you in a moment in one day and that that moment that that day is the day of the Lord it's the day of the Lord it's it's the the hour of God's judgment and in all of this everything is lost so first the the, the Vatican the, the the representation of the mystery religion in Babylon that's dealt with but then this mysterious uh, movement of the ephah back to her own base it, it, it seems very much like there's going to be a now also a Babylonian the original Babylonian system will be reestablished and it will also come down and it is also referred to as uh, in, in the feminine that it's it's just it's the same whore 
it, but it's, she's back on her base. And it's very interesting that um, you know we see today uh, this uh, almost you could call it a love affair that uh, the Pope has with Islam. It, it's you you would think that they are all the same religion. Well, you know I guess they are. But uh, you wouldn't believe that in the Quran it calls for the slaughter of Christians the way the Pope is in this this wonderful uh, love affair with with Islam uh, to the detriment of his own people but this is the fornication this is the sexual immorality and the mixing but of all of these um, uh, which what shall I call them shenanigans that the Pope is having with these various religious leaders. The one perhaps that is most worrying is his uh, fornication, his immorality, sexual immorality with uh, Turkey. Uh, very, very interesting, this uh, arrangement with Turkey and how Turkey is kind of reasserting itself on the world scene. It's uh, interesting with this um, article in uh, the foreign policy magazine where it says here um, in the foreign policy magazine Turkey's new maps are reclaiming the Ottoman Empire so this empire that ruled half the world and and then collapsed uh, Turkey saying you know what we need to go back to the original borders of the Ottoman Empire Erdogan's aggressive nationalism is now spilling over Turkey's borders grabbing land in Greece and where else? Iraq. He's saying Iraq belongs to the Ottoman Empire. And it goes on to say how he's just really flexing his muscle and showing how these, uh, the, the border of Turkey today is in, is, it was drawn up by infidels. And it, it's, not, it's not appropriate that he has to push and reclaim the proper borders of Turkey based on the Ottoman Empire and those proper borders will include Iraq and so this uh, this Pope uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he understands what he's doing and what he's enabling but it's very interesting that the Zechariah 5 prophecy shows that Iraq is going to be reestablished in the end time it's part of the uh, apocalyptic vision uh, of the end time now, in Zechariah also, so let me just go back. Yeah, so this is Isaiah saying, in a moment, so on the day of the Lord, you, you will suffer the loss of children. So all these uh, daughter harlots that you have, they'll all be lost in one day. And widowhood. So your alliance with uh, whoever you want to be married with, that's the, everything's going to be lost in one day. The judgment comes upon all of Babylon and the wicked world. They shall come upon you in their perfection for the multitude of your sorceries and for the great abundance of your enchantments. Zechariah 2 uh, comments on this as well. He says, This is the rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly and said in her heart, I am, quoting Isaiah, and there is none beside me. How has she become, or how has she become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down in? Everyone that passes by her shall hiss and wag his hand. Continuing Revelation, Therefore, just as the prophet said earlier, shall her plagues come in one day. So the day of the Lord, boom, it's all over. Death and mourning and famine, 
and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord who judges her. And that's the appropriate judgment for this whore, whore to be burned with fire. In Jeremiah, God, God speaks through the prophet. Behold, I am against you, O most proud. This, this system is going to be established with such pride and, and haughtiness. And God says, I'm against you, O most proud, says the Lord God of hosts. For your day has come, the time that I will visit you. And the most proud shall stumble and fall. Babylon is fallen, and none shall raise him up. And I will kinder fire in his cities, and it shall devour all round about him. Continuing in Revelation. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her. So they have just been living high on the hog. You know, I, I do, I, I fly a little bit. Uh, I don't fly like this. <laughs> this is uh, really living high on the hog. And so they, these kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived deliciously with her, uh, because she enabled their wealth, because the, 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 the religious system is really, it's really a business, and it's really a way to oppress the poor and, and enrich themselves, now they are going to uh, bewail her. And remember, there's two, there's two dimensions to her. There is the religious city, what we would call the, the Vatican today, but then there's this commercial and political wing as well, which seems to be, appears to be, the original Babylon. But they're both referred to as her. It's the same mystery religion. It's the same Babylonian system. The kings of the earth who have committed fornication, so the, the first whore, chapter 17, she's burned up. Now there's this, this second one that has to be dealt with. Live delicious with, deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. And, and remember that this wealth, you know, no man could buy or sell unless they had the mark or the name or the number of his name. So these merchants that have become very, very wealthy, they've sold their souls to the devil. And that's why they can buy and sell. And they're quite enjoying this devil system because it's enriching them. They're becoming quite wealthy as a result of it. Now in Ezekiel, uh, there's a prophecy here where he says, then all the princes of the sea shall come down from their thrones. So again, this is a, a system um, and so it's not just religious, it's also commercial. And there's a lot of trading that is taking place. So all the princes of the sea shall come down from their thrones and lay away their robes and put off their broidered garments and they shall clothe themselves with trembling. They cannot believe it. They built their whole lives around this system and God has now brought it down. And they shall clothe themselves with trembling and shall sit upon the ground and shall trem tremble every moment so they can just they, they cannot believe what has happened to them and how uh, all of this wealth has just suddenly uh, collapsed and all of their wealth they shall sit upon the ground and shall tremble tremble at every moment and be astonished at Babylon and they shall take up a lamentation for you and say to you how are you destroyed that was inhabited of seafaring men. The renowned city, this renowned city, which was strong in the sea, she and her inhabitants 
which caused their terror to be on all that haunted. Now shall the isles tremble in the day of your fall. Yes, the isles that are in the sea shall be troubled at your departure. So it's just, it, it's unbelievable. They cannot believe what has happened and how this uh, mighty city, at the noise of the taking of Babylon, the earth is moved. It's un, like they cannot believe it. You know, this woman, this, this mystery religion was sitting as a queen and saying, I will never, I will never come down. I will never be destroyed. I'll last forever. And in a single moment, it collapses. And, and everyone is just in awe. They, can, they cannot believe it. The noise of the taking of Babylon, or at the noise of the taking of Babylon, the earth is moved. And the cry is heard among the nations. And the kings of the earth, who have committed fornication, and live deliciously with her, shall bewail her. They just think they're going to be bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment. Like, so they, they care for themselves, they don't care for her. And so they were happy to be with her because it was a way of making, making money, but now they're going to stand afar off and they just cannot believe uh, what has happened. <clears throat> and so it says here that standing afar off for fear of her torment saying alas alas that great city Babylon that mighty city for in one hour is your judgment come boom boom it's just all over this whole system has collapsed Isaiah says the burden of Babylon which Isaiah the, the son of Amos did see and it goes on to say, And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' excellency. So these are the Chaldeans, these are the Iraqis. This is the beauty of their excellency. Shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And he sent down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what's going to happen to the Chaldeans. It shall never be inhabited. Neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. It's over. Neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there. So, it, based on this prophecy, you know, not only is the Vatican looming large in the end time, so is the Arabian. But it's over now. The Arabian will no longer pitch their tent there. Neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. In Malachi, uh, very interesting where Malachi says, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, wherein have you loved us? Wasn't Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob. And I hated Esau. This is to speak of covenant love and covenant hatred. Esau turned his back on the covenant. And so God has nothing to do with Esau. But Jacob yearned for the covenant and covenanted with God. And so God has eternal covenant love for Jacob but he has hatred for Esau meaning that the only way Esau can now have eternal life is to be grafted into Israel and so the New Jerusalem has 12 gates not one of them is called Esau so anybody who's from the all Edomites and all really Edom Adam mankind must repent and come into the tents of Israel if they're going to have eternal life and lay notice this so I just lost my place. Let me get back to where I was. Uh, Malachi. 
So Malachi, as we as we just go back there, um, God has covenant love for Jacob, but covenant hatred for Esau. He has nothing to do with Esau. He has to um, Esau has to repent and come to the covenant through Israel. Now. Uh, let me just catch up here. I'm not sure what happened there with the software. I just went right back to the beginning. Okay, here we go. Um, so here now, where Edom says, so Esau, Edom, it's the same thing. Uh, actually, let me just back up a little bit. Uh, hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. And that's what we're seeing in Revelation 18. That Esau's mountains, his, his governments, and his heritage are laid waste for the dragons of the wilderness. So what we see there in uh, Iraq, where Edom uh, and uh, Ishmael, they, Edom married into Ishmael, uh, and so they're all the same peoples now. Uh, and that's where we see now the Ottoman Empire is all represented here. And God says, I hate it. These, these governments that they're trying to establish, God says no. In fact, what else does he say? Whereas Edom says, we are impoverished, you know, Erdogan's saying, hey, what happened to our borders? We're impoverished, but we will return. We're going to rebuild. We're going to expand. We're going to reestablish the Ottoman Empire. Oh, yeah? We will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness. So that, that ephah is wickedness, and it returns back to its base. And they shall call them the border of wickedness. And the people against whom the Lord has indignation forever. No, no way. You cannot establish yourself in the earth. Because God has indignation against these people. Forever. And so if they're to have eternal life, they have to repent, like the whole world, and be grafted into Israel. Because God has a covenant of love with Israel. Your eyes shall see, and you shall say, The Lord will be magnified. Where will the Lord be magnified from? From the Ottoman Empire? The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. From Israel, from Jerusalem. Now Isaiah says, Come near, you nations, to hear, and hearken, you people. Let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has delivered them to the slaughter. So warning, warning, warning. You can have these powerful armies, but God is watching. And you only have one hour with the beast. And then God is going to judge. So it's a very short time. Is it worth it? Is it if the, the wicked, where you know, have to appeal to the wicked. Is it worth it? You're going to, to lock yourself into this beast power and you can't get out, and then God is going to judge with a, a fierceness and a wrath. Hide yourselves, and, and he says to, to his people, come out of her, my people. Have nothing to do with her, my people, because this, this fierce wrath of God is, is real, and it really is coming. And God says to the wicked, I'll come like a thief in the night. And he says to the wicked among his people, he will come like a thief in the night. At an hour when we're not expecting him, that's when he will come. But to those who are of the day, who are actually studying and seeking and hungering and thirsting for righteousness, he will not come like a thief in the night to us. Because we're expecting, we're looking forward, we're hastening for his return. 
their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood, and all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heaven shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down, as the leaf falls off from the vine, as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea, or Edom, or we could say Turkey, uh, Edom, and upon the people of my curse to judgment. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. So this religious system was really a commercial endeavor. It was, all, it was a business. And it was all about gathering wealth and hoarding wealth and, and impoverishing people for wealth, for the sake of wealth, in the guise of religion. But they don't care about God. They care about money as their God. And so the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buys their merchandise anymore. Game's up, it's over. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and thine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble. All of this is, is uh, hearkening back to a prophecy in Ezekiel about the ancient city of Tyre, which was a, a, a renowned city at the time, but it was a commercial endeavor. So the religious system was all about making money. And then I'll just go through quickly here. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a long prophecy, but you might want to read it. Uh, Ezekiel 27, 16, I believe I cut it off at verse 35. But Syria was your merchant. Jude, even, you know, all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Uh, even Judah and the land of Israel, they were your merchants. Damascus was your merchant. All, Dan and J Javan, uh, going to and fro, occupied your fairs. Dedan was your merchant. Arabia and all the princes of Kedar, they occupied you with lambs. And the, the merchants of Sheba and Rama, Haran and Kenna and Eden, the merchants of Sheba, Ashur, basically the whole known world at the time was trading with the ancient nation of Tyre. And, and the king of Tyre was Satan. But the whole earth was happy to engage in trade with her and commit fornication with her because it was all about making money. These were your merchants in all sorts of things. And he goes on to say all the different things. The ships of Tarshish did sing of you in the market. They were just so happy with the money that they were making. Your rowers have brought you into great waters, your riches and your fares. So, so not unlike today, uh, a lot of wealth uh, travels uh, through seas and rivers and, and, and by water. And so here, this ancient city of Tyre was a seaport and it just traded with the known world. Uh, so it goes on to say uh, all of this wealth that was generated through the seas. And same with this ancient time, this ancient Babylonian system continues to do trade by sea. And, and the merchants are so happy to, uh, to trade with her. And I'll just, uh, again, I would just um, uh, encourage you to, to uh, read this prophecy in Ezekiel 27 uh, Tyre is really uh, uh, a metaphor, a symbol, uh, and a representation of Babylon. And so we, we, we fool ourselves if we think that 
these this Babylonian mystery religion cares anything about religion couldn't care less it's anti-christic it's anti-god it's a commercial endeavor and so that's why these systems the, the people behind these systems are so incredibly wealthy because all they have is this life and so they're just making the most of it and so here these merchants uh, in ancient Tyre they made themselves utterly bald for Tyre so when, when Tyre fell they just mourned and gird themselves with sackcloth and they shall weep for you with bitterness of heart and bitter wailing because that's what this Babylonian system was all about and so without wealth then what is this not that oh well you know our wealth is gone but we still have our relationship with God we, we, we nobody can take our eternal life away from us it, that, that's not on the radar at all all that's on the radar is the wealth of this city and the wealth that it generates and in their wailing shall they take up a lamentation for you and lament over you saying what city is like Tyre like the destroyed in the midst of the sea and so this is just uh, what we're seeing in Babylon is an echo of what Ezekiel saw with uh, with Tyre you know you did enrich the kings of the earth with the multitude of your riches by your merchandise just for time I'll just uh, get back to um, uh, I shall get back to Revelation 18 the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple so all this stuff is being traded and silk and scarlet and thine wood and all manner of vessels uh, all of this and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense this, this is a real business this this is the heart of the religion the heart of the religion has nothing to do with God it's it's a business and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and what else what else did they have the, the souls of men and slaves and the souls of men so so uh, you know and again this is a call back to Genesis that Cush begat Nimrod and he began to be a mighty one in the earth he was a mighty hunter what what was he hunting he was hunting the souls of men he was enslaving men and so this Babylonian system it, it's all about wealth and who cares about mankind made in God's image we'll just enslave them so any system that you see enslaving men and, and hunting men and off that slavery becoming incredibly wealthy this is from the devil he was a mighty hunter uh, against the Lord and that's, that's the whole Nimrod system uh, continuing in chapter 18 and the fruits that your soul lusted after are departed from you and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from you it's over the game's up and you shall find them no more at all the merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment weeping and wailing and saying alas alas that great city that they thought would last forever that was so established in the earth alas alas that great city that was clothed with fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls for in one hour so great riches have come to nothing it's like this this is a this is miraculous this is this is something that they are just in awe like how could this be how could this incredible level of wealth 
just disappear in a moment and come to nothing. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off. And they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning saying, what city is like unto this great city? So this, this is, uh, you know, if, you were, if we were to visit this city in the future, it would just be dripping with opulence dripping with wealth. It would be like, what great people are these people to have this level of wealth? And so as the, the, these uh, merchants are trading and coming and they come into the city and, and it's just so much wealth everywhere for those who have the mark of the beast. If you don't have the mark of the beast, there's no wealth for you. Uh, but there's eternal wealth. Uh, they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping, saying, Alas, alas, this, this great city. They, dust, they cast this dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour she is made desolate. And again, remember, the promise from God is that he will keep the faithful saints from this hour that will come upon all those that dwell upon the earth so so this this hour is for them it's not for this the, the, the Passover protects us from this hour as God brings down the enemies of his people so that he can then enact the second exodus for in one hour she is made desolate rejoice over her you heaven and you holy apostles and prophets. We rejoice over this. This is a great cause for celebration and merriment because this wickedness has finally come to an end. That, you know, we're not this sort of wishy-washy, like, you know, everybody's for God and God is for everybody. And, you know, let's all hold hands and skip through the meadow and maybe we'll find a rainbow and we'll all just hug and sing Kumbaya. This is not, this is not what, what this is about. Satan is the adversary of God. And there is a war taking place between this adversary of God and God's people. And, and he's overcoming the saints and he's just, the, the woman is drunk with the blood of the saints. And the blood of the saints is crying out, saying, God, how much longer? And God is saying, hold on, just a little. We have to add a few more to this ultimate destiny of the kingdom of God and reigning with Christ and being among this 144,000. So just hold on, hold on a bit. I'm, I am going to act, but we just have to add a few more to get to this full complement of the people who take God seriously. And then when God judges all the saints... And, and all the prophets and all the holy apostles rejoice at God's righteousness and his righteous judgment. And, when, and, and so uh, I mentioned that, that they, the, the saints have been crying out. And so these are the saints that are going to rejoice when God finally judges. And then Jeremiah says, Therefore, behold, the days come that I will do judgment upon the graven images of Babylon, and her whole land shall be confounded and all her slain shall fall in the midst of her. Then the heaven and the earth, then the heaven and the earth, and all that is therein, shall sing for Babylon, 
for the spoilers shall come unto her from the north, says the Lord. So there's some prophecy here about where the spoilers will come from. And a mighty angel, going back to uh, Revelation chapter 18, says that uh, a mighty angel took up the stone, took up a stone like a great millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down. Why with violence? Because it's righteous judgment. This is such a violent city. These people thrive on violence. And so it cast a great millstone into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city, Babylon, be thrown. So it's going to be a violent throwing down of this great city, and shall be found no more at all. Yeah, they'll build, but God is going to bring it down, because he will be magnified in Israel, not in Babylon, not in Edom. And it shall be, when you have made an end of reading this book, that you shall bind it to a, bind a stone to it and cast it, into the midst of the Euphrates. And again, Babylon sits right on the Euphrates. And you shall say, Thus shall Babylon sink. This is the, this is the end of Babylon. Thus shall Babylon sink, and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her. So, so that's it. They, they will rebuild. You know, we will rebuild. And God says, Yeah, but I will tear down. And, and it will never be inhabited again. And it will be called the, the, the people upon whom the Lord has indignation forever. Uh, so he says here, um, Thus shall Babylon sink, and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. So this, this, these, these things that we're seeing here in chapter 18, that are in our near future, uh, this has been prophesied from of old. The ancient prophets thousands of years ago foresaw this. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in you. And no craftsman of whatever craft he be shall be found any more in you. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in you. It's over. Zechariah says, Thus says the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth. Babylon is not a city of truth, it's a city of lies. Jerusalem shall be called a city, they're going to present themselves as truth, but it's wickedness. And the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem. And every man with his staff in his hand for very age. So Babylon will be thrown down, and there will be no merriment anymore in Babylon, but there will be merriment in Jerusalem. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls, playing in the streets thereof. Isaiah says, Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty, and makes it waste, and turns it upside down, and scatters abroad the inhabitants thereof. This is the hour we need to be protected from. He says, the myrrh of tabret ceases, the noise of them that rejoice ends, the joy of the harp ceases. So this is why God wants us to see these things before they happen. So when we see all of this merriment and all of this wealth, we will see, see straight through it to the final hour of judgment and God establishing the kingdom. The city of confusion is broken down, every house is shut up that no man may come in. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord that the Lord shall punish the host 
of the high ones that are on high, and the kings of the earth upon the earth, them that dwell upon the earth. And I will cause the noise of your songs to cease, and the sound of your harps shall be no more. That's Ezekiel. Uh, John tells us, so, so the same way we see now, their merriment is over, and it's time for the righteous to rejoice. Jesus told us this. He said, truly, truly, I say unto you, you shall weep and lament. It's going to be horrible. That's why we have revelation, so that we can, we can see it in context. We shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful. But your sorrow shall be turned to joy, and their joy shall be turned to sorrow. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in Babylon. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in you. So Christ says they're marrying and giving in marriage right up to the end time. But here the, vo the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more in you. For all your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorceries were all nations deceived. And we see that today. All the great men of the earth, they seem to be on some sort of some kind of spell. They're drunk. They, they have crazy talk. Well, it's going to get worse. It's going to intensify. And that's what uh, Matthew said here. They're marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. We'll just end here with, uh, with Nahum. Uh, the horsemen lifted up both the bright sword and the glittering spear. And there is a multitude of slain and a great number of carcasses. And there is no end of their corpse, corpses. They stumble upon their corpses. It's just bloodshed everywhere now. God is judging. Because the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored har harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts, that sells nations through her whoredoms, and families through her witchcrafts, behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will discover your skirts upon your face, and I will show the nations your nakedness, and the kingdoms your shame, and I will cast abominable filth upon... God, God is angry. Come out of her, my people. This is the anger of God upon Babylon. We don't want anything to do with this. And I will cast abominable filth upon you and make you vile and will set you as a gazing stock. So next week now, we will uh, cover chapter 19, God willing. But we'll just read a, a verse or two here as a, as a, as a conclusion here. Uh, and after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he has judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and has avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And so this judgment is coming, brethren, and this is why God gives us this, this uh, revelatory understanding and knowledge so that we will not be deceived with the wicked. Be not deceived. It's coming to a time of great deception. But what, what love God has for us. That he comes, he dies for us, he redeems us, and he gives us this knowledge so that we will not be deceived. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written therein. Jesus Christ is the Lord God Almighty. This is our testimony. And we will keep this testimony to the bitter end. Because we see a great time of eternal rejoicing 
with our Lord, our God, our husband, our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Good night.